In our 20s, people expect us to have things figured out. Us too. A well-paying job, getting closer to marriage, making new friends, and exploring the world. Lots of definitive moments happen in your 20s. But what if we move to the other side of the world? And what if we put our dreams first? I'm Mai. I'm Belle. And in this podcast, we share our thoughts about things that have defined our early 20s. Important moments in life and how we create our path to our late 20s. Welcome, Welcome to the I'm 22 Podcast. Hello, Tony's fam. Welcome to the 22 podcast. Today is a weekend, so we just finished our very busy week. And next week, we have midterms. And then after that, spring break. So I'm very excited for spring break, but I'm definitely overwhelmed with midterms. And today, we actually have a very interesting topic to kind of share and have a conversation about, which is about timing and coincidences. And it's called Perfect Time, Perfect Place. Well, <laughs> I think it's going to be like a balance between personal and professional stuff. I just want to know, first of all, because we still learn of each other every time we're here. So do you believe in coincidences? I think to a certain extent, yes. When I was growing up, I watched a lot of K-dramas. And in those dramas, they always talk about like how you actually meet your lover on the street. You meet your lover anywhere and then you have like this incredible romance so I always had that idea like this pink bubble growing up that my love will somehow walk in through the door and then I will just magically fall in love <laughs> but that never actually happens so in like the realistic world it's definitely a much harder story and a much harder context to talk about these coincidences but I think it does happen sometimes in terms of when you're you put in the hard work you see it pay off in like meeting new people meeting like the right people for you at the right time and I do believe in that both on a professional level and on a personal level. When I'm meeting like, you know, you or any of my friends here at Berkeley, I feel like there's something that ties us all together. And the fact that we're in this cohort and we're here at Berkeley at the same time and we're all trying to pursue the same passion is in a way very much the universe has kind of brought us together. And we're here because at a certain point in our lives, we thought and we had similar thought process about wanting to go to grad school, wanting to pursue music, and then wanting to obtain this degree to professionalize it. So I think in that sense, it's also the idea of coincidences and fate and timing works together. Okay, I think also, I mean, I have a similar like thought of like you. I believe that coincidences are not are like half coincidences and half like planned already. It's just like a debate we'll probably have and you guys will probably have too on your minds. But I feel like it's a balance. And also I think that as I was mentioning in the last episode that people that come to your life have a mission and you have a mission on theirs. So I believe more in that kind of stuff that everything's happening for a reason more than it's just a random coincidence. When I, when I started to talk to Mai, when we were coming to the studio before starting this podcast, we came to the idea that we both wanted to make a podcast. And what were the odds? Like, honestly, I don't think it was such a coincidence. I feel like it's more something that should happen and it's working because it was meant to be this way. In a personal point of view, I guess, yeah, of course, like when you're young, you see like all these TV shows and you think so much stuff. But also like in a bad, talking about relationships, as you were mentioning, I feel like there is also a balance between if you had a bad relationship, it's because you had to learn something from it for the next one to be good, you know? And 
I honestly, in my experience, believe that totally. And I feel like the most important lessons in that part is that, you know, what you want in your life and what you don't, you know, what you deserve and what, and what you don't. And at some point, you stop worrying about what's going to happen next and you're just enjoying, like, your relationship at that time, no matter what, and you'll be fine whether it stays or not, you know? So I feel like that's, like, it's all about the lessons and it's all about the mission that someone has in your life. Do you have any stories to share? Like, let's get a little bit specific. No names, yeah. no need of names because, <laughs> no yeah, we're going to receive texts and I don't want that. <laughs> But yeah, a personal story to share. I mean, personal and professional sometimes mixes for me. And I think one of the most incredible coincidences that I've had during my life was when I first got into college in Texas. You know, when you're like a freshman in college, you're trying to register for classes. And it's always like a struggle yeah. to get into the classes because you don't have any credits or you don't have as many credits as the upperclassmen. And so it was a struggle for me trying to get into the classes that sounded really interesting for me at first. When I started, I wanted to take a specific class in communication because that's the thing I wanted to major in. But the core classes were all filled. So I had to find something because I still needed to continue that pathway to graduate with a communication degree. But there were no classes that offered any seats. But there was this like very specific class called Media Text. And they had open seats. But usually you're recommended to do that your second semester. But I ended up taking it anyways because I had no other option. And my professor, I was really scared at first. I'll just call him Dr. K for now. Uh, Dr. K. Um, I was really scared of him at first because if you look at him, He kind of looks like different Schmerbs in uh, Fitness and Ferb. He's very tall and, and he looks very scary. But after I took that class with him, I just really fell in love with the concept of understanding text, media text. That could mean, you know, advertisement, that can mean TV shows, that can mean literally anything. And I started having conversations with him about, you know, I really want to learn more about this. And back then my English was, you know, it was okay, but it was not like as, as fluent as I'm talking right now. And I was really stressed because I, I didn't know how to, you know, navigate the class. And I was feeling like majorly homesick that semester. But I met with him. I told him every week I will come to your office hours and I will improve my English. And I will ask you all the questions that I didn't get in class. And I made that like a commitment to myself to kind of meet him occasionally. And we bonded really well on a variety of topics, one of them being film. And so fast forward to like two, three years later. I ended up adding a minor in film into my degree, and he is the chair of the film studies minor. He became my advisor, and I proposed this thesis project, which was to create a documentary. And a lot of my friends from college will know this. I worked on that project for the entire year with him as my supervisor and then one other teacher that I also met the first semester of college. So I felt like it was all kind of coincidental that I had to meet these people to form a long enough relationship with them and understand them to have their trust and have their you know support to be able to do this big project. So I spent the last year working on the film. It's called To Live to Tell. And it's about like Vietnamese immigrants who immigrated to the U.S. or anywhere in the world after 1975. And there was some tension between North and South of Vietnam. And a lot of people just couldn't live there anymore. And so they tried to escape and they ended up at refugee camps and, and somehow ended up in a lot of different parts of the world. And they're called the Vietnamese diaspora. So I was interested in that because a lot of that history isn't really taught in Vietnam in history classes. And when I went to the U.S., I just met so many people who are like Vietnamese American or identify as Vietnamese but they don't speak any Vietnamese or you know or they don't know too much about their culture 
And so I was interested in digging deeper into that and figuring out what music that they bring with them during their journey to this new land. And a lot of them weren't able to bring anything like they just had whatever they wore. And that was literally it. And so I continued this journey for a whole year. I ended up, you know, making this movie. I had a couple of screenings and all through that time, my two professors who I met the beginning of the school year, like the first week of classes became my friend. And now we're still in good contact. And so I think coincidence does happen. And sometimes it's like coming out of situations you don't really expect. Sometimes it comes out of situations that are not favorable for you. But then if you work hard and you maintain those connections and at the core of all these coincidences is really the people. If you care enough about the people and if they care enough about you, you will make this coincidence into a connection or a relationship that is beyond what the coincidence could be. It will become a lifelong relationship, a lifelong friendship and connection, and it can lead to incredibly um, exciting projects. So that's my long story of just recapping a snippet of my college. But what about you? Do you have something like that or someone you met that really impacted your work? I feel like my favorite, well, I have two coincidences, but I, I don't want to talk about my relationship so <laughs> that much. So I'm going to go to the professional one. I think I've talked about this before, but I can get into more details. My favorite coincidence is being here. Like the fact of how the events happened in my life before applying and being here, because this was just like my biggest goal for 10 years, you know. And I was like, okay, now that I'm here, now what's next? Though That's like the biggest question right now. But I had this cup that I used that said Valencia every single day. And I took it so serious. Like, I go back to my stories because I'm blogging always for close friends. Thanks for supporting me. <laughs> but, um, and I was putting, like, captions like, going back to work because who's going to pay, if, if not, who's going to pay Spain? Like, who, how am I going to maintain myself in Spain? And I, I hadn't even applied by that point And I had no idea I was going to do it. I just knew and I had this feeling because I really trust in my own, like, intuition. I felt like next year when I was in my undergrad last year, I would be here. And my mom was like, stop saying that, like, you don't even know what's going to happen last year. And I was like, no, like, I, I feel it, you know, like, and it's like kind of manifesting. I don't believe that much in that stuff. I was just like doing stuff to put pressure on me unconsciously to make it happen. So I feel like my mind sometimes in my goals goes this way, like reverse. I believe like it's done and then I make it happen. You know, it's like fake it till you make it somehow, but in a weird way. So I was cleaning my room in January, unconsciously, as if I was going to leave the room already. And I realized this at the end of when I finished cleaning everything and organizing and taking things out to give away to people or just trash, you know. And um, I found all my Berkeley souvenirs that I had when I was 14 years old. And I was impressive because they were three times in different places. And I was like, okay, three times? Is, is this a sign to myself that I'm giving like old Val and, and now? So I went to my computer and realized I had 15 days to apply. And I was like, Okay, I don't have my documents from school. They were all on holidays, like the undergrad was not open and, and administration was not working, you know? And I was like, if I get my documents on time, let's see what happens. I got everything in less than five weeks. I don't know how, you know, like, and I applied to the English test. I make all the documents and I was like, okay, I'll do it. Maybe I'll fail. And that's okay because I can apply next year. But I was thinking now in a bad and negative way that maybe I was just applying to fail and then I'll try again. In the sense of the timeline, a couple of months before I quit the job, I told you to open my agency. And that was a perfect timing because that was a project I present as a part of my application. 
Um, so it was just like the perfect timeline in my life. And I was not conscious of that by that moment. So it was really beautiful to see that I, through these years, through these 10 years, I truly believed that I was going to make it. And then all of a sudden it happened. And that was really, really surprising. In terms of meeting people, it's just so important for me the moment you realize you have someone in your life that you are so grateful for. And it's just that perfect moments and perfect timing always happens to me with people because there's nothing happening around that it's something that I need or someone that I need. It's just beautiful that someone arrives to your life and surprises you and makes your life a little bit more good and, and beautiful and, and it adds to you and it adds to your goals so in terms of friendship in terms of relationship um, I feel like since last year my life has been in a good timeline in which I don't put any more pressure on myself and I don't overthink what I want to do I'm just trying to enjoy a day by day a step by step you know um, so I think that's like the most beautiful coincidence I've had Personally and professionally, with, without saying names, because I think like we understand each other. <laughs> you can say uh, alphabet letters now. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I, I think that's, that's another thing. But talking about opportunities, because if we talk professionally, opportunities are for people that know how to take advantage of or like accept them. Because sometimes we say like, oh, I'll leave this maybe for tomorrow and you don't take the opportunity. And they're just once in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So do you have in your story these moments where you had not taken an opportunity and you regret it or you have taken a good opportunity and you say like oh this is not a coincidence because you actually made action but uh, it impacts your professional or personal life i think to like add to whatever you're asking me is like if you're making the effort but someone else is not making the effort coincidences don't happen yeah. like these opportunities and chances and like random meetings don't happen imagine like during the pandemic all you do is you stay at home no connection is happening like none right imagine like two trees i don't know why i'm coming back to trees but like trees are just gonna stay rooted but say if you are a pot of plant and someone moves you around and somehow you this is a very weird example but you get what i'm saying like there also needs to be a certain level of mobility in you and in your thought process and that you have to grow and that the other person or the other party is also moving in a similar direction as you for things to happen and opportunities. I don't want to say that I regret anything in my life because I feel like I try my best to do whatever I want to do at that time. And I am very committed to everything that I do. But if I had to say something that I regret is not spending as much time during college or even high school to, I guess, challenge myself a little bit more outside of the creative. Because I've always been, you know, in the creative field and I always knew that I wanted to do something like that. So I've always kind of stayed in my element a little bit. And the furthest I've got is, you know, doing journalism and volunteering work and starting nonprofits. So I've started some nonprofits before. But I wish I had paid attention more in my math classes. I paid more attention to like, you know, coding and paid attention to all those other skill sets that will become valuable. So right now I'm kind of realizing that, you know, those skills could be very helpful. And I'm taking some coding classes. And I'm taking all these classes. But I wish that I wasn't so stubborn before because I knew I wasn't as good as it as other people. And, you know, Asians, most Asians can do math. Like it is a fact Like we can all do math. But I just didn't really like enjoy it as much. I didn't have as much enjoyment out of it. So I always kind of avoided it. And I never went this step further to, you know, see why I didn't like it or why this was something that I, I really wanted to shy away from. 
So I wished I had, you know, taken that initiative to ask some of my friends for help, like go to more classes, go beyond like the homework, because there's so much value in tackling the things that you're not comfortable with. And I wish I had learned more about those skills. And now I'm learning it. I'm still relatively young, so I could still do it. But I feel like there's a little bit of difficulty when it comes to learning how to code, programming, or learning anything like that, you know? Yeah, I, I felt the same with math and like other engineering topics because I, I studied music production and engineering. So I had like six topics of physics and then like five maths. And honestly, I never enjoyed them until the last one. And I was like, oh, I'm surprised because it's like an acquired taste, just like coffee, you know. Uh, but it's it's really interesting to to know this. And also when you realize that it's helpful, even though you at the first didn't like it, like finance, you know, like because yeah. <laughs> we, we had that everyone was feeling the same way. I feel like in terms of opportunities, sometimes we underestimate ourselves and overthink if we should try or not. And it, it's something that for me is just like, okay, you already had the no. If you try, the worst thing that could happen is getting a no. And if you don't try, you gave yourself a no, you know, like it's just the same thing. And I feel like when you're in undergrad and you're not even though specialized, although some undergrads have like a concentration or something where, where you're specializing in an area and you see a position, you overthink if you should apply or not. And, and that's what probably most of us are, are going through now that we're close to graduation every every time, every day. So, yeah, like you need to feel also confident with yourself and with your skills, like if you're building a path. You're studying an undergrad of four or five years and you know the area you want to work on. Obviously, there are some things that we learn in a really general way. And when you get the job, it's also about learning the first year, you know, like you don't have to know everything. And also sometimes it is good as a white lie to say, you know, something and get to learn it in the week during the week before uh, giving a task. You know, it's all about also how you see things in a positive way and don't put yourself in a second plan, plan and just like, okay. Maybe there's someone that knows more than me. No, like the approach would be if I don't know something, I'll learn it. There's Google. There's a lot of courses like YouTube. There are people that learn things, instruments like by them themselves and, and they can make it. So you can make it too, you know. I feel like every opportunity that you see, it's because you, it was planned for you to see it. So try to take it. I always try to take them and don't get disappointed if it's not like a positive or if if it's a negative um result because at the end again there is a learning path in your life receiving that no is also part of learning and it's also bringing you this what's next that might be even good and when that happens because it has happened to me that i receive a no and then something else comes and i feel like oh it makes sense why now i am here like i i understand why it happened this way And you're grateful and you wouldn't change anything. And that's why I also, as you said, there's not something that I regret. I feel like my way of life philosophy and seeing how everything's happened is just that I'm always going to end where I'm supposed to be. And I believe that for everyone. And having this mindset has also made myself like as an hypothesis to prove it every year and just feel like peace in, in, in that sense. About networking, because we have lots of opportunities here and we're a class that is so diverse. Um, and we're also really exposed to networking. What are some tips you, you would like to give our listeners about it? Honestly, I'm a newbie in the networking world because before this, I just never really kind of got used to the concept. And there are also not a lot of in-person events. And I'm very much like an in-person type of person. So when I first got to Berkeley, I was just so overwhelmed. Even like the first day, I was like, I'm shaking hands with 50 people. This is insane. I don't remember anyone's names. But like that was the start of networking. 
kind of had to force myself to just be at the place. Like I would walk around and most of the times I didn't talk to anyone during the first week, but I slowly watched how other people do it. And I realized that you don't have to talk to everyone. And two, you don't have to talk to a person for long. You can just briefly shake hands with them, talk to them for like a couple of minutes, you know, introduce yourself and that's it. And so over the course of the past six months, I've personally reflected and I've grown so much. Like I, I now know how to network in a way that makes sense for me in a way that works for my level of comfort and my social battery because I only have like two three hours a day of actual social battery to really engage with people to remember when I'm talking to them what they're saying what they're trying to convey to me and for me when I go to networking events I divide myself into different tiers so there's a tier of people that I will do research on you know, so I usually look up the panelists or whoever is going to attend the event or what the event's about and things like that. And they'll make a list of five people or so that I really want to connect with and different things or different topics about them that I want to talk about or things that I personally want to ask them. And then I make it, that's my priority when I'm going to networking events. Obviously, it's to go and eat the food and like be in the space and you know, meet as many people as possible. But I know realistically, I can only remember and have quality conversations with a select few. That's just not possible to talk to everyone. And then there's the second tier, which is, okay, attending these panels or going to the concert portion or anything and having my own time to reflect and to think about what worked well, what are they trying to teach me? Because you're going to networking to network, but also to get information for yourself. It's not all about like, expanding this network it's about expanding your knowledge and so that's my second tier and then the third tier is just to be in the space to also observe how they're organizing things sometimes you forget people are organizing and are, are making this happen and are gathering all these incredible minds into one place how do they actually make it happen this is not a coincidence it is like you actually signed up for this thing and people are committed to be here for a variety of reasons the organization of these networking events have to be also at a certain professional level. So I always find it fascinating to kind of take a step back and look, oh, they place, you know, the speakers here and then they place the mingling area here and then they place the whatever rest area here. So like there's a way to organize things and it kind of gives you an insight into what kind of panel this is, what kind of conversation is going on, what are the types of people and profiles that are present in the space. So I always make it my priority to go through those layers before I go to networking events. And I don't actually go to a lot of them because I like to connect one on one. And so that's how I thrive the best. So I usually also, if I can't manage to talk to someone for whatever reason, then I'll take down their information. If I really still want to talk to them when I get home, I'll try to find a way to reach out to them to make sure my questions are answered and just make sure I'm still doing my tears, right? And I'm getting the most out of those events. What about you? Okay, I, I, I totally agree with lots of things you said. I'm going to give two examples because I was thinking about September when we went to a music conference and we also have seminars every week. So there's two ways to approach networking. Let's start with the music conference. So I was actually in charge of the social media for, for Berkeley. And that, that week we went to music Future Music Forum in Barcelona. And I was observing like the way people, because we, we were just in our first month of classes and we went straight to networking, you know, that month. <laughs> That was really fun. And I was really observing like how people approach others. So there is different ways. For me, first of all, I put learning because in a conference, you're, as might say, you're, you're going there to learn. Even if it's not even a music conference, any type of conference, first of all, you're going there to learn, depending on which um, step or stage you are in your life. But 
as a as a master's uh, degree student, we are learning. So <laughs> the first approach is okay, you go to learn. Then after any conference, if the talk just finished, most of the people gather and you have a massive ball of people around the the speaker and that's overwhelming for the speaker. Like at least for me, I can see that sometimes they are like uncomfortable or they're like just so thirsty and they have a massive <laughs> what I call is a pack of hyenas it scares me <laughs> and, and poor guy or, or poor woman you know like it's some space so there's always in conferences small times small gaps during the day for you to network and then it's like just staying true to yourself my first tip would be stay true to yourself and and don't overwhelm the poor guy you know <laughs> give some space so there are these these gaps of timing where you can actually network and i realized like okay how am i feeling am i feeling into getting closer to people and start talking or am i just feeling too kind of exist but still doing my work and still like you get noticed you know like that you're working so people are curious about what you're doing too like just focus on your main objective during a forum or a conference so what's my strategy first of all and Maya's not gonna let me lie I am a really colorful people and if you haven't noticed that through our videos I'm sure it's noticeable second my makeup I studied makeup uh, for during the pandemic so I'm always wearing double eyeliner I love to match my eyeliner with my clothes So it happens to me automatically, and I love this, that people are like, oh, how do you do that eyeliner? Or, oh, I, you have a dual eyeliner, that's really nice. And then I start meeting the person and I realized she had a huge project and has a company that just sold to another big music company. And then you start in a personal way in which the conversation is more like a friendship. And then you move into the networking point, And that has helped me honestly a lot. And then if I'm working with the social media, also like people usually make questions. So staying true to yourself, finding a way that people can actually come close to you and start a conversation so you don't feel overwhelmed by the fact that you must start all of the conversations. And also talking not about speakers, maybe your friend just met a person that's related to something that you want to focus on, like an area, for example, marketing, and she might refer you and introduce you to the person she just met. And that's also really nice, like try to be open and introduce also your friends to, to people you already network with if you feel that they can combine. So I feel like you grow, I grow, you know, I see it that way. So there's not only a professional way to approach uh, networking, it can also be in a personal way. And it's not about getting overwhelmed or overwhelming other people. It's just be true to yourself, be strategic, something from your personality must come up and it, it can help you, you know? Um, also some part of your work, if you're working on something during your free time, so you're like, uh, you know, you're busy, people are also gonna notice that. And I feel like, at least for me, I prefer that my work speaks for me more than me like uh, bragging about what I do, you know? It's, it's just like, it's just that way. And in a sense of our seminars, for example, I think it happens the same thing like at the beginning we all learned we, we've been learning about how to network but at the beginning everyone just approached the speaker after after talking and and I and I could tell like the body language says so many things be uh, analytic observe like how how the person is reacting to what's happening and then you see like it's also really simple you can add to LinkedIn and send a message like hey thank you for coming to our seminar today or, or I just met you in the conference today Uh, I'm really interested in what you're doing. Can we meet or can we go and grab a coffee or can we have a Zoom meeting? You know, like there's always a way to follow up, but following up is important. It's if you met someone important in the conference that's probably going to match with what you're doing and you want to follow up, 
do it as soon as possible because they get so many requests sometimes, especially if they're like in major record labels or I'm just talking about the music industry, but in any area, it's the same thing. They can forget because they meet tons of people at, at an event too. So try to make it memorable. Try to follow up as soon as possible. And if there's something that you can be helpful for them and, and them for you, it's a win-win, you know, and that's, that's perfect. So yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> I like the idea that you talked about referring people because honestly, this is not a competition. Like networking is not a competition about how many people you meet in an event and how many connections you add onto LinkedIn or any of that. It's just, it's really like real life and real life is about people and your friends can be good connections with you. Like I know after I graduate, all the people that I meet at Berkeley will be my professional and connections, but they're also my friends. And so when I first thought about graduate school and entering the real world, and it seems really cutthroat over all the entertainment industry about looking at, you know, how people are always laid off and the intense competition and things. It is very intense. I'm not going to lie. But there is also a certain level of collaborative work and that needs to happen in order for you to get, you know, to escalate and to get promoted in any different field. So I feel like people should not think of networking as what I thought when I first started at Berkeley was like something that's really daunting and scary. It's more how are you building relationships and friendships that would have a positive impact in your life and that would nurture your growth and how you can also provide value to your network. When I think about LinkedIn, I think of it more as obviously it's a place where everyone knows the exact purpose of why they're even on the platform. Like if I was just a normal human being and I lived in the mountains and that's all I wanted to do. I would not be on LinkedIn. Like there's no purpose for me to be on LinkedIn. But I'm on LinkedIn because obviously I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for opportunities. Please someone give me a job. But it's also because I want to provide value to people through my posts. I want to be of support to anyone in my network with the skills that I have and the skills that I'm building on. And so if you think about how to post on LinkedIn, think about What do you know that can add value to your network? For me, like I'm podcast editor and I love doing it and I want to do it for a long time. Then I will try to provide value as a podcast editor. Like what are the tips? You know, who else needs podcasting help? I will always brand myself in that way. And I think that's providing value to the network. And that's how, you know, I can also keep it fun and make it something that does not seem as daunting. But there is still a certain degree of, you know, pressure whenever you're on there and people are just posting new jobs, like they're getting new things. Sometimes just ignore that. Just go to your page, stare at it and feel proud of all the things that you've done and think about what else do you want to do? Don't make it such a scary experience and scary place. And also you can delete the app for a while, return to it. And that could be a good break for you to really think about how do I want to look at these platforms where Obviously, people know the intentions of you being there, but also try to make the best out of it because I'm sure the creator of LinkedIn didn't want it to turn out like, you know, how negative you have of the app in your head or any of the other networking platforms. So just try to find an angle that fits for you and try to provide value to other people is how I would say to use these opportunities. Well, I think that's really valuable, my, uh, to have us as tips. Also, the competition part, I think it's really important. We're not in a competition anytime you know it's it's just not that way it works it's all about uh collaborations building your own career and comparing to your old version not to other people i think that's like a really good way to live your life though i want to talk also about a decision making process because there's always hard versus mind 
And even in personal and professional life, there's always heart versus mind, honestly. I'm going to talk about the professional part because I think that when we arrived to the master's degree, we had to make so many decisions so early and so fast. Like we had just a couple of days to make decisions. And I realized that every professional decision during this year feels so serious and feels that it's going to define your future and, and it's overwhelming, you know. I feel like the way that I've been approaching in terms of our electives, because we have like a specific and concentration too, like entrepreneurship, live, practical, more record, like you're doing record, I'm doing entrepreneurship. I struggle because you want to study everything and you want to know about everything. And then you have to decide and you have to decide your future because obviously like it has an impact on your projects and how and where you're going to end up. I remember myself just thinking, okay, making a list of pros and cons. I totally recommend this because it's an objective way to see your context. So I do a list. Then a good thing we have here is that we have two weeks to audit like all the rest of the classes. So then I leave my heart and drive me a little bit. Okay, I'm thinking of choosing this too. So I go to other classes and I feel like, how do I feel here? Do I feel like I see myself here every week? Do I feel like it's the right place? Do I feel good what do I take after the class uh, that might help me and that's also a way to again you analyze but you're also seeing how you're feeling and if you feel you belong there then you make a balance between heart versus mind everything is a decision and in talking about friendships living and letting go and coming back to a life of someone is also a decision and talking about relationships if you want to break up if you're thinking of breaking up if you're thinking of taking the next step Again, it's all about decisions and it's all about opportunities. There's no way in which you can decide for me in my point of view. If you do it, it's totally respectable. But there's no way for me in which I pick one side. I pick my heart. I pick my mind. No, there's always an analysis of both and trying to put everything in a balance and taking a decision that I feel that is reasonable. Also, I would say don't get overwhelmed in the process of making a decision because by at the end, you end up with where you're supposed to be or you where you belong, you know? And that's important. You'll realize that, that later, in a year, in a couple of months, whatever, you know? But you'll realize that and you'll be totally happy with your decisions. About no regrets, I feel like at this point of my professional life, anything I regret, and I'm really, I really appreciate that to myself because I feel like I would be my own enemy just trying to fight myself. Like, why you did this? This was not the right way to do things. Like, no, I feel like, okay, I'm in this point. I'm in peace with my decisions. I'm happy with the decisions I'm making. And no matter where I'm going to end up, I'm sure it's going to be fine. And I'm sure it's going to be fine for you too, you know? What about you? What's your thoughts about heart versus mind? When it comes to decision making, I realize that it's not a big of a deal. Don't make one little thing such a big deal that it will impact your mood for the whole week. It will make you lose sleep and whatnot. Because you have the entire life and during your lifetime, you will make hundreds, thousands, millions of decisions. So I've been learning to not get caught up on one little mistake that I've made, on one decision that I made that, oh, it didn't turn out the way I want it to. And really think about this is a privilege to be having to be able to make decisions, to have choices. That's a privilege. And that's something that you should really be happy that you made possible for yourself to have these decisions. And in terms of heart and mind, well, I've taken like the 16 personality test. And if you haven't, it's like a really, you know, fun little break for your day if you care to take it. But I've kind of switched to being a more logical person these days when I'm thinking through making decisions and doing whatever in life. I've become a little bit more logical. I think it's because of, you know, the people around me are teaching me to do things. 
we're in a very business and analytical environment. And it's good because I've never really practiced that much critical thinking. I've never practiced, you know, how to make decisions that can impact others financially, economically, impact careers in that way. Because now my responsibilities have grown and I want to learn more things that have much more weight when it comes to the decisions. Because some things that I do right now can impact my artist's career, it can impact my career. The ideas that I have could potentially help a business or it could hurt it. Um, so it's a much bigger impact that I'm making. So I think in that sense, I try to put more thought into these decisions. But when it comes to normal daily stuff or it comes to my personal life, I don't always want to have to think hard about it. You know, when it comes to like, oh, I want to go on this date. Heck yeah, why not? Let's just go on the date, you know? If I want to spend time alone, if I want to just go work out or whatever, then I'll just do it even though I don't have time. And I know realistically in my schedule, I don't have the time. Oh, you don't want to see her schedule. <laughs> It's terrifying. <laughs> But like, that's what my body feels like at that moment. And that's what I will do. So I feel like throughout your day, there will be a mixture of moments where you have to decide, do I want to actually do this or, or can I do it? And, and then actually make the decision. But following your heart in the long run, is always the best option because I'm not going to be doing music if I weren't following my heart, you yeah. know? And no one who's a musician or an artist is going to do art because logically their mind is saying, you're going to make so much money. You're going to be famous and all that. It's not true. It's because that's what your heart wants and your heart wants what it wants. And in a way, your body and your mind will have to kind of follow it. But then in order to make all the things that the heart wants a possibility and a reality, and something that actually fits right in the real world, your mind also has to be walking in the same pace with it. You know, it has to be taking all the right steps, meeting all the right people, making all the right mistakes. I mean, there's no right mistakes, yeah. but making all the mistakes that you need to make in your life in order to achieve success. So I feel like always having this balance between heart and mind is something that you will constantly struggle with, but it's a good struggle to have. Because there are people who aren't having these choices. There are people who probably are struggling more than you could ever imagine. And so don't ever take these processes or these options for granted and actually feel good about it. Make those decisions, make those mistakes and, you know, just get going with your life. Don't be too hung up on it. There's an important point here, like there is no stage in your life where you should put money first. You know, like there is no goal There's no big dream you can't achieve without passion and effort. And then money comes next. You know, like if you've been money driving, it's it's just not gonna work. And that's where the overwhelming part and that's where like mind is winning too. Like what do you need? What you should get? It's all about you enjoying what you're doing, your passions. You, can, you can't stay in a place where you feel like you don't belong. You can stay in a place where you're not enjoying what you're doing because that's not sustainable. You get to decide in, wh in which things you're going to put your energy on. Is it drama? Is it money? Is it like undecisive stuff? Like I think we as humans make things more difficult to ourselves. And we sometimes enjoy it. And I don't get it. Like I, I come up to myself and see like, why am I overthinking that much? It's so easy to just go to the person and, and clarify things. And it's just so easy to put yourself in a balance and say like, what's healthier for me? Because sometimes it is hard to put ourselves first. We've been talking about this too. For me, it is. And sometimes, even though I truly want to get in a new project, I know it's not healthy for me because I'm going to get drained or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put myself uh, in terms of health in a, in a back, you know, like not, not as a priority. So that, that's also what I'm talking about, that there should be 
a balance. Hard driving, obviously, it's like the best thing, but putting yourself first at the, at the same time. And don't put energy in, in spots where it, it doesn't deserve your energy to be, you know, because it's going to train you. It's going to lead you to somewhere you don't want it to be or you don't want to be. And surround yourself by positive stuff. Again, there is no goal that can be achieved. If you don't believe that, it's because you are underestimating yourself. Work hard, believe in yourself, be confident and expo expose yourself to new opportunities, new jobs, new networking, whatever is your goal, just expose and take yourself there, push yourself there. Because sometimes, as I was saying, I think we're just our biggest enemy and it's hard to realize it. But once you realize that you are, get your shit done, <laughs> I would say. But well, again, we're only in our early 20s. I'm almost in my mid 20s. This is terrible. <laughs> but we're still learning, you know, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. I think that every episode has something special for us and I've been enjoying it so much. So thank you for all the love and support on our episodes, on our social media. Stay tuned. See you guys next week. Thank you guys for always being here for us and for sending us really nice DMs. It kind of makes our day. Please share. Also share with us what you resonated with during our conversations. I think that helps us put into perspective how we can add value to you and how we can talk more about those things. But thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow us on Instagram at 22.live. And we'll see you next time. Bye.